0: Okay, welcome to another episode of Shooting the Stats. I'm your host, Allie. I'm here with Rob and Eddie. And today we are going to be talking about some MLB awards and the stats that go into those and kind of take a a deep look into it. So let's get started. How are we doing tonight, everybody?
1: Doing fine, doing fine. As good as it can be for a conversation where. We're going to have to talk about baseball and what they think is important.
2: Well, now we know
0: (laughs) how Eddie truly feels and how he is so excited about this conversation.
3: (laughs) So excited!
0: So, on that note, let's get started by talking about American League MVP. quite clear who we believe should be AL MVP. Am I
3: wrong? I mean, there's there's literally no no conceivable argument that you could make as to another player adding more value value to a team. Um, it, it there's just there's just no other way because he plays every day and can affect the game as a pitcher and a hitter, as a starting pitcher and a hitter. Baseball reference has their win probability added metric, which I feel like is a pretty solid. I'm not a huge fan of catch-all metrics, but that one's a pretty solid one. He added the probability of 4.9, so almost five wins as a hitter, which is already leading the league for all, all hitters. But he also contributed like two and a half wins worth of win probability. As a pitcher, which is also like pretty good. So that's if my math is correct, seven and a half wins as an individual in terms of win probability. That's that's unbelievable. Like that that is quite simply more than anyone else could conceivably ever add, which is why he's Shohayotani. Um So, yeah, I mean, if he loses, it would be narrative-based, right? Like, it wouldn't be a merit-based loss.
1: Yeah, I mean, not a a great start to a podcast when we're agreeing about the most controversial (laughs) topic. Because this one is going to go either way, and it's definitely going to be one that... You know, it was going to be the most contentious, too, just based on the everything about both the Angels and the concept of being the most valuable and, you know, all that kind of fun stuff that baseball people fight over all day. He's the best pitcher on their team, and he's the best hitter on their team, and he does both. So, And he's the best, he's the best talk hitter that, in baseball. If you want to talk value there there's your value. And then, yes, as you said, on top of that, he just happens to be one of the best hitters in baseball who hit 46 home runs, stole 26 bases in a non stolen base era, got to the hundred marks for both runs and runs batted in played the full season. And. Oh yeah. Once again, he's a pitcher also. And as a pitcher, he was just as, not 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 compared to his peers as a pitcher probably wasn't as good comparatively like a, but still like a 3.18 era this year isn't isn't nothing to write home about it's worth it, he was about three wins above replacement as just as a pitcher and I don't know what to tell you other than you know if you combine that three wins from the five or so that he's worth he was worth as a hitter. That's more than anyone else is getting total, so all in all, he's you know the best player. The problem is, is that this is a sport with a lot of contention, and the angels themselves won seventy seven games this year and they were fourth in their division. So that's gonna hurt him. Um, I and, think add
3: to fact check and to fact check. Among among pitchers with at least 200 balls in play against them, Shohei Atani was 21st in expected wOBA against, out of out of the like 200 players in that category, he was 21st. So he is the best player pitcher on their team and probably a top 20-30 pitcher in the league. Continue. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, it's 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 that one. Uh, I gotta find it, it as some am typing, but. While well, I'm thinking about it too, they we don't know what would have happened. It's a definitely a big what if, um, if Mike Trout would have played this year, other than the 30 or so games that he did play. In that time, he was he was still really good, so. Um, yeah, I think there it
0: could also be. Well, we won't get too much into why each team didn't make the playoffs, but I think if Mike Trout was playing the MVP conversation might be very different because the Angels could have finished in a much better place than they did without him, which I think would only drive more attention to Otani. Not that he needs any more attention or votes as the MVP. I think I don't remember a time where I can remember um, having such a unanimous choice. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, we're all roughly the same age, but I don't remember ever being um, in a season where it was, you know, so clear, I think, from the beginning that he was such a favorite. Yeah,
1: I mean... The problem is that, that, you know... (laughs) It just let's quote directly from that tweet. Every time I see an Angels highlight, it's Mike Trout hit three home runs and raised his average to 528, while Shohei Otani did something that hasn't been done since tungsten arm O'Doyle Do- of the 1921 Akron Groomsman as the Tigers defeated the Angels 8-3. to Like,
2: yeah,
1: I, that's why he, fourth place in his division, let alone, you know, the wild card standings where – just looking at the American League the blue jays finished one game out the mariners finished two games out the a's had nine more wins than them cleveland had three more wins than them they were tied with the detroit tigers in wins so i don't think you i don't think there's there's no argument that you know anyone can give towards the team wasn't good enough there's the Hank Aaron award you know exists for the best hitter regardless of the team's record that's literally how they describe it in on the MLB's website you know in preparing for this um so there's going to be a lot of pushback and you know baseball riders aren't the most innovative people some baseball writers aren't the most innovative people in the world so and they're stuck to tradition so when tradition says that you know most of most of mvps have been on good teams there's going to be a lot of weight to that
3: yeah and i mean it's 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 particularly silly in baseball to look at the team performance with the player because they are it is so unbelievably individual that You know, the idea that in basketball, the best player on the best team is usually the MVP because the best player on the best team is usually the most valuable. Like, you know what I mean? Like, one player, like, LeBron will make your team good. Having LeBron on your team makes your team win, like, 50 games, right? Like, that makes him valuable. Having Shohei Otani, as we just looked through— having Shohei Ohtani on your team adds seven to eight wins in a 162 game season. Like you can't, it's not the same idea of like carrying, right? Because there's so many players, there's so many opportunities for so many different players. Like there are, there are times in games where one reliever will make a mistake and change whether you win or game, where to lose a game. Like, That's silly to then (laughs) to then look at wins and say like ah well this team didn't win enough games and it's like but we have win probability win probability looks at situational hitting so we can see that Shohei Otani did more as a hitter to add value to his team and add win like add the likelihood that his team wins more than anyone else in the league so like you can't credit against him his team playing poorly but you know like. Eddie was saying, like, this is very traditional, very narrative-based, very best player on the best team is the kind of idea. Um, because Or at the best a, player
1: on a team, because, you know, on get to the baseball playoffs, there's not that much of a big, you know, fundamental difference in how uh, players are really interpreted in terms of their value.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, there's definitely that piece of it. Tr- I mean, Mike Trout won the MVP two years ago. And they didn't. They didn't make the playoffs. He's won the MVP for th- three times in his career, and you know they've made the playoffs once in that time, and that was in 2014. It's been that long. So, but still, you know, Jose Abreu, the, the White Sox made the playoffs last year, and they've been very good again this year. Mookie Betts won it in 2018, the year they won the World Series. Altuve, they won it the year they won the World Series. Josh Donaldson was he and Bautista were back and forth you know dom- dominating for the Blue Jays that season and then you go back to that three-peat of you know Miggy and Verlander in the in the peak of the Tigers uh you know that era of the Tigers.
2: Okay, Tigers
0: and so that's just
1: the start. American League itself and the National League pretty much every single time it's a uh, team yep. making the playoffs
0: so let me ask you this I understand I totally agree with the narrative kind of being an issue and something that's frustrating as a fan of a team who doesn't often make the playoffs it is aggravating um but could an argument be made for Otani specifically that this his narrative is kind of above and beyond a postseason one because I personally feel like what he can do is unlike anything else we've ever seen and I feel like that narrative trumps anything that's related to his team's performance
3: you'd like to think right like we we'd always like to think that that's true but i mean who knows right like he could very easily not win it because baseball mvp voting is is weird um
1: and so Tuck, to say it's not that time. there aren't other people that are deserving either. It's not like they're going to force feed it to someone else. It's, if, it's but Vlad, also... if it's Vlad <laughs> and they finish one game out of the playoffs, then, you know, go, good, go right ahead and give it to Vlad because he had an incredible year due this year.
3: Sure. But also value, right? Like, <laughs> like if the question is most valuable player, the fact that he adds value as a pitcher and as a hitter, like,
2: and, as, good as,
3: and a lot of value in, in, as a pitcher and as a hitter. Like, in in my opinion, as somebody who is a Mariners fan and very rarely has a stake in the MVP and who makes the playoffs, it would just be absolutely ludicrous for him not to get the most valuable play. I mean, it's it's the Jordan problem, right? Like, we talked about this in planning for this it's it's the jordan problem like there was never a season in the nba while jordan was playing that he was not the most valuable player right like that never happened but you know that's not that's not what these awards are about a lot of the time it's not actually most valuable player it's the player that you know like eddie was saying like is the we feel is the most deserving like Giannis. Just felt like he earned that one, even though obviously he was not the most valuable player.
1: Um, and even with narratives, let's let's not even go that far into in any more into numbers. Let's go back to that narrative. Like last year was the Giannis season, right? He might have you know in the future he might have better seasons because he's of the age where he can still you know be be a much better player. But think about twenty seventeen; it was the Westbrook season. Mm-hmm. In 2021, this was the Otani season, without a doubt. Even if right. if even if he repeats it, this was the season that he came out, came out to be, you know, Shohei Otani himself. Think about, I don't know. Think about those the A season. It was, I mean, he had a great career with the Yankees, but his 2003 season was the famous one. The Ichiro season. He came out right away. In a storm. Same with Pujols. Like, there are specific seasons for a lot of these guys that drive narratives. And for Otani, this was his season. Yeah. Not even, like I said earlier, think about 2015 Josh Donaldson. That was the Donaldson season for the Blue Jays.
3: And to be fair, the betting odds are with him. <laughs> they, by uh, far, uh, the odds
2: yeah.
0: are with
3: him. Yeah. Far the, away. The, the betting odds are in his favor. him and and Vlad are really the only two even close.
0: Well, and I think that that's kind of my point about the narrative that, you know, you guys don't necessarily love, and I think a lot of fans don't always appreciate. But I feel like in Shohei Onchani's case, it works in his favor because I feel like, finally, there's a player who is extremely deserving to make the playoffs. But I think if Mike Trout was playing the MVP conversation might be very different because the Angels could have finished in a much better place than they did without him, which I think would only drive more attention to Otani. Not that he needs any more attention or votes as the MVP. I think I don't remember a time where I can remember um, having such a unanimous choice. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, we're all roughly the same age, but I don't remember ever being um, in a season where it was, you know, so clear, I think, from the beginning that he was such a favorite.
1: Yeah, I mean... the problem. Yeah, so like... Is that, you know... (laughs) It just let's quote directly from that tweet. Every time I see an Angels highlight, it's Mike Trout hit three home runs and raised his average to 528, while Shohei Otani did something that hasn't been done since tungsten arm Do- O'Doyle of the 1921 Akron Groomsman as the Tigers defeated the Angels 8-3. Like,
3: yeah,
1: I, that's why. He, fourth place in his division, let alone, you know, the wild card standings where just looking at the American League the blue jays finished one game out the mariners finished two games out the a's had nine more wins than them cleveland had three more wins than them they were tied with the detroit tigers in wins so i don't think you i don't think there's there's no argument that you know anyone can give towards the team wasn't good enough. There's the Hank Aaron award, you know, exists for the best hitter regardless of the team's record. That's literally how they describe it. In on the MOV's website, you know, in preparing for this. Um, so there's gonna be a lot of pushback and, you know, baseball riders aren't the most innovative people some baseball writers aren't the most innovative people in the world so and they're stuck to tradition so when tradition says that you know most of most of mvps have been on good teams there's going to be a lot of weight to that
3: yeah and i mean it's 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 particularly silly in baseball to look at the team performance with the player because they are it is so unbelievably individual that you know, the idea that in basketball, the best player on the best team is usually the MVP because the best player on the best team is usually the most valuable. Like, you know what I mean? Like, one player, like LeBron will make your team good. Having LeBron on your team makes your team win, like, 50 games, right? Like, that makes him valuable. Having Shohei Otani, as we just looked through... Having Shohei Otani on your team adds 7 to 8 wins in a 162 game season. Like you can't it's not the same idea of like carrying, right? Because there's so many players, there's so many opportunities for so many different play- like there are there are times in games where one reliever will make a mistake and change whether you win or game, where to lose a game. Like that's silly to then <laughs> to then look at wins and say like ah well this team didn't win enough games and it's like but we have win probability win probability looks at situational hitting, so we can see that Shohei Otani did more as a hitter to add value to his team and add win like add the likelihood that his team wins more than anyone else in the league, so like you can't credit against him his team playing poorly but you know like. Eddie was saying, like, this is very traditional, very narrative-based, very best player on the best team is the kind of idea, um, because there's still the least best a... player
1: on a team, because, you know, pointing to the baseball playoffs, there's not that much of a big, you know, fundamental difference in how uh, players are really interpreted in terms of their value. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's definitely that piece of it. Tr- I mean, Mike Trout won the MVP two years ago. And they didn't. They didn't make the playoffs. He's won the MVP for th- three times in his career, and you know they've made the playoffs once in that time, and that was in 2014. It's been that long. So, but still, you know, Jose Abreu, the the White Sox made the playoffs last year, and they've been very good again this year. Mookie Betts won it in 2018, the year they won the World Series. Altuve won it the year they won the World Series. Josh Donaldson was he and Bautista were back and forth you know dom- dominating for the blue jays that season and then you go back to that three-peat of you know Meggie and verlander in their in the peak of the tigers uh you know that era of the tigers
2: okay and
0: so that's just
1: the start. american league itself And the national league pretty much every single time it's a uh, team yep. making the playoffs
0: so let me ask you this i understand i totally agree with the narrative kind of being an issue and something that's frustrating as a fan of a team who doesn't often make the playoffs it is aggravating um but could an argument be made for Otani specifically that this his narrative is kind of above and beyond a postseason one because I personally feel like what he can do is unlike anything else we've ever seen and I feel like that narrative trumps anything that's related to his team's performance
3: you'd like to think right like we we'd always like to think that that's true but i mean who knows right like he could very easily not win it because baseball mvp voting is is weird um
1: and so uh, the not there aren't other people that are deserving either. It's not like they're going to force feed it to someone else. It's, if, it's but Vlad, also... if it's Vlad and they finish <laughs> one game out of the playoffs, then, you know, good, good, go right ahead and give it to Vlad because he had an incredible year due this year.
3: Sure. But also value, right? Like, <laughs> like if the question is most valuable player, the fact that he adds value as a pitcher and as a hitter, like,
1: as, good as,
3: and a lot of value in, in, as a pitcher and as a hitter, like, in in my opinion, as somebody who is a Mariners fan and very rarely has a stake in the MVP and who makes the playoffs, it would just be absolutely ludicrous for him not to get the most valuable play. I mean, it's it's the Jordan problem, right? Like we talked about this in planning for this. It's it's the Jordan problem. Like there was never a season in the NBA while Jordan was playing that he was not the most valuable player, right? Like that never happened. But you know, that's not that's not what these awards are about a lot of the time. It's not actually most valuable player. It's the player that, you know, like Eddie was saying, like is the mo- we feel is the most deserving. Like Giannis. Just felt like he earned that one, even though, obviously, he was not the most valuable player. Um,
1: and even with narratives, let's let's not even go that far into in, any more into numbers. Let's go back to that narrative. Like, last year was the Giannis season. Right. He might have, you know, in the future, he might have better seasons because he's of the age where he can still, you know, be be a much better player. But think about 2017. It was the Westbrook season. Mm-hmm. In 2021, this was the Otani season, without a doubt. Even if, right. if even if he repeats it, this was the season that he came out, came out to be, you know, Shohei Otani himself. Think about, I don't know, think about those the A Rod season. It was, I mean, he had a great career with the Yankees, but his 2003 season was the famous one. The Ichiro season, he came out right away. In a storm, same with Pujols. Like, there are specific seasons for a lot of these guys that drive narratives, and for Otani, this was his season. Even, like I said earlier, think about 2015 Josh Donaldson. That was the Donaldson season for the Blue Jays.
3: And to be fair, the betting odds are with him. (laughs) They... By uh, far, the
2: odds
3: are with him. Yeah, the, the, the betting odds are in his favor. him and and Vlad are really the only two even close.
2: Well,
0: and I think that that's kind of my point about the narrative that, you know, you guys don't necessarily love, and I think a lot of fans don't always appreciate. But I feel like in Shohei Onchani's case, it works in his favor because I feel like, finally, there's a player who is extremely deserving of this award who's also getting that narrative like this is his year like Eddie was saying you can't go anywhere you can't watch a baseball game without them talking about Shohei Otani this year I bet you even in the postseason they'll be talking about him he's not even playing so I feel like this could be the one of I'm definitely not the only time or the first time but this could be a time where I think the narrative might actually work in his favor um and kind of drive the decision to somebody who deserves it value
1: wise came out right away in a storm same with Pujols like, there are specific seasons for a lot of these guys that drive narratives and for Otani this was his season I yeah. even, like I said earlier think about 2015 Josh Donaldson that was the Donaldson season for the Blue Jays
3: and to be fair the betting odds are with him <laughs> they, by uh, far I, the
2: odds yeah. are with
3: him yeah. far the, bet, the, the betting odds are in his favor him and him and Vlad are really the
1: only two even close
0: well and I think that that's kind of my point about the narrative that you know you guys don't necessarily love and I think a lot of fans don't always appreciate but I feel like in Shohei Onchani's case it works in his favor because I feel like Finally, there's a player who is extremely deserving of this award who's also getting that narrative like this is his year, like Eddie was saying, you can't go anywhere. You can't watch a baseball game without them talking about Shohei Otani this year. I bet you even in the postseason they'll be talking about him. He's not even playing. <laughs> so I feel like this could be the one of I'm um, definitely not the only time or the first time but this could be a time where i think the narrative might actually work in his favor um and kind of drive the decision to somebody
2: who deserves it value wise yeah yeah there you have it man man <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, if he doesn't,
1: to... I mean, yeah, if he doesn't, yeah. if he doesn't win it, that's gonna be the reaction. It's like, okay, fine. Because, but then also, it'll be because you know Vlad won it, so good for him yeah. because he had a really good year and he, you know, carried. I mean, the Blue just had a stacked offense this year, but he's probably the reason that they got to ninety-one wins in the first place.
2: Vlad's been so much fun. Right,
0: I
3: mean, want to move to, move to NL, NL MVP?
0: No, I do not, Rob. I'd actually You're like it. to move to AL Cy Young.
1: Oh. Because if we're going to talk about pitchers. Actually, can we let's talk about NL MVP because I think we're going to be able to continue Uh-oh. the same narrative because Bryce Harper was the National League MVP.
0: Oh, please don't. <laughs> please
2: don't.
0: Can you at least give me Juan Soto?
2: No. Nope. No.
3: No, no, it was Bryce Harper. Really? Yeah, by, by a good solid margin.
0: Like statistically speaking.
3: Statistically speaking. Yes, yeah, the baseball
1: team.
3: Statistically speaking, Bryce Harper was second in the league as a batter to win probability to only show Hayotani. Um, it went five point one, then four point seven for Harper, and then four point four for the rest of the league. He led the league. Him and Juan Soto ran away with the expected Wolva title, but Harper did edge him out within the, you know, interval of confidence, I guess you could say, that they were pretty much tied on that. But Bryce Harper was a lot better of a home run hitter. Um, which you know you think about instant value added as a hitter, home runs are always going to be the most valuable. And Harper had 35.4 expected home runs, I'm getting from from Baseball Savant and Statcast, um, which puts him in the top tier of the league. Uh, which which Juan Soto did not do, and that that definitely feels like a big differentiator in my book if we're going to talk about analytical and like kind of contextual value right that that idea of instant value instant run value
1: yep and just looking at only two players in the league had over a thousand uh ops harper and blad i mean you said Soto, which is funny because he was Soto was literally at 0.99 which is like, oh, that stinks. But Harper was still in the lead at one point zero four, and you know, context too that uh, or narrative if you want to talk about the narrative. Even though that they didn't miss the playoff or the, even though the Phillies missed the playoffs in a good division or a not so good division, I'm gonna start that over. And even though the Phillies, you know, they finished eighty two and eighty in a not so good division the entire reason that they were probably still in those games is because Harper went on a tear at the end of the year. So in terms of keeping the Phillies in the the wild card and the um, division race, I mean, the Cardinals won 17 games in a row. So it's not like in the end it was as close as it was supposed to be, but the entire Philly season Continued the way it did because of what Bryce Harper was able to do.
3: And the betting odds are pretty much even between the two of them. Harper edges him out. The only reason I'd say that Harper, just looking at the numbers, that, that Soda would edge Harper out is that he's a much better fielder. Same thing, this this baseball Savant out outs above average. Soto's mark for this season was five outs above average. Bryce Harper's was negative five. So, literally inverse, right? Like, if most of the hitting stats are pretty similar, and fielding is that big big of a discrepancy, if you want to involve all these different things, and, you know, narrative aside... You'd almost want to go with Soto, which I guess goes back on what I, <laughs> what I started with. But at the same time, yeah, I mean that that from a complete sense, you'd almost want to give it to Soto. But you know, the narrative plays a part here, as we've talked about.
0: What I'm hearing is
3: Soto. <laughs> is the Mets fan in you hearing Soto?
0: It's and that's saying a lot because. <laughs> I don't really like him either, but but doesn't, okay, and yes, yes, I'm going to put it out there for everybody who doesn't know me, I don't like Bryce Harper, I'm not a fan of Bryce Harper, I'm a Mets fan, I have no reason to like Bryce Harper, <laughs> but from an objective standpoint, doesn't his first half of the season play into any of this?
1: It's the complete picture
2: exactly so
3: there there is a conversation to be had about whether in a sport like baseball where so much of it is mental not contributing at all for games at a time does that hurt the team like is it instead of looking at his at his contributions cumulatively and sequentially right like one thing adds up to the next thing and as long as your sum of things is high enough then you are good in the scenario right um if if we're gonna think about it that way then it doesn't matter, right? Like, the beginning of the season versus the end of the season doesn't really matter. But if you want to look at it, the fact that he, you know, did he lose the teams, defi- definitively lose the Phillies games in the beginning of the season and then definitively win them games in the end of the season? And is that definitive win and loss more impactful than if you were just consistently very good throughout the whole season and gave your teams a little bit more of a chance each game. Win probability does not support... Win probability totals would support that his total contribution spread out would be very good, right? But, yeah, I mean, that that's... I can't say there's a lot of evidence to suggest that that you should look at it that way. But, you know, like I said, baseball is a very mental sport. So to say, oh, I'm just going to jump in and contribute now, um, you know, you, a hitter not contributing for every bat in a game Puts more pressure on other hitters, which increases the stress, which increases their mental load, and it increases the stress on the relievers. Like, which with you know, like beyond the win probability of individual appearances, like does that hurt the win probability of the team as a whole? I don't know. That that's that's a conversation to be had, though, right? I mean, I think I think a major league baseball player might have a little bit more insight on that than either of us. <laughs> but, you know, like, that that's that's worth thinking about. I don't know how much you should weigh that into your, into your MVP votes, but that's worth thinking about.
0: I guess I just think about it like, obviously they're not competing because Otani is in the AL. But you think about someone like Otani, and no, he wasn't, like, red hot the entire season. I don't think it's possible yeah, for him to
2: consistent. Be-
0: yeah, exactly. Maybe, like I said, not red hot, but consistency, I feel like is so valuable in such a long baseball season. So, you know, if Harper was hitting nearly as well in the first half of the season, the Phillies would have been running away with the division. I mean, the NL East was really, really bad. Um
1: I mean, the best team lost their best player, but yeah, continue.
0: Thanks for saying that.
1: No, not that one. (laughs) What? Who else? Who else
2: could it be? Acuna. I'm just kidding.
1: No, you're not. That's the problem. (laughs) You're pushing back on it. That's the problem.
0: The best team lost their best player. Do we need to go back to the Jacob DeGrom podcast? (laughs) Refer back to episode four, please. Anyway, regardless of why the NL East was so bad, it was. So my point is that Harper was not injured. He just did not perform nearly as well as he could have for half of the season which in baseball is substantial you know basketball hockey those seasons are literally half as short or half as long (laughs) um it makes a huge difference if you're slumping for
2: half of the season that's just my thought
1: i mean with the entire concept of of these awards like As long as there's votes and as long as there's subjectivity to it and it's not and there isn't, you know, the perfect formula to determine this kind of thing and the entire idea of value itself is still arbitrary and, you know, that whole rabbit hole. Enough of it's still the narrative that I think, look. I can. I Maybe mean, we can sit here and ask ourselves the question: What would the Nationals have looked like without Juan Soto this year? And they won sixty-five games. So, like that, is that valuable though? Like if a six wi- a six-ish war on that team? Like, yeah, you can go every single game. You can go two for four, and it's going to have no difference on what the team record could be when you're that bad. What we have with what we have with Harper is more of an elevation factor, honestly. Yeah, but I feel and like even with basketball... even with Soto too. Like, if we're going to talk narratives and we're going to talk about the the power that the voters do have with this, Juan Soto, you're 22, you're already probably one of the best hitters in baseball. You're going to get it. You're going to get it next year. So, like, you'll get it eventually.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, but the problem is that with basketball, you can have Michael Carter Williams, right? Like, you can have the best player on a pitifully bad team put up numbers because one player every time down the floor gets one shot, right? Like that, and if you're just the one to take all of the shots, if you're just marginally better than everyone else on your team, even if you're not that good, you're going to look good. In baseball, you still only get your four to three to five opportunities as a hitter, right? Like everyone gets the same number of opportunities, regardless of, of situation and how good the team is, or, you know, who, what the other players are doing, like your, your opportunities to drive in runs may not be the same. Like win probability does take a hit, if you're in low leverage situations, right? Like that's going to happen. Um, a little bit it does take into account like you know higher than normal but but you know if you're in so many low leverage situations because your team is so bad then you're not gonna be able to add as much win probability like that matters a little bit um but at the same time like i said everyone has the same opportunities so if you're good then you're good i've never really understood the whole like oh well he didn't elevate his team narrative because like you can't you will that's part of the beast. Like, while it makes good players look good, regardless of how bad their team is, you also can't really elevate your team all that much as an individual because you can only contribute as much as you're given the opportunity to. You can't change your opportunities. Like in in in, in football, you can they can turn it over and you can get another drive. In hockey, you can steal you, you can get an interception and and race down the ice and, and get an extra shot off. Like, you don't get another at bat because you want one.
0: <laughs> well, Bob, speaking to your point earlier, you mentioned how much of a mental game baseball is. Sure. So, no, not necessarily like, you know, you don't get more at bats being good, but it still contributes to the morale and kind of the.
3: Yes. The, it, it, but if we're going to – that that's a rabbit hole. You don't want to go down the, oh, are they sabotaging the team's, uh, you know, uh, uh, locker room chemistry and sabotaging their ability to succeed. It's like that that's a whole other rabbit hole that we don't want to go – like there is no way – it would take monumental, like, the worst human being in the world to sabotage a team enough to make them win 66 games instead of 90, right? Like, you would have to be just a horrible human being that wants everyone to just play so bad that they get traded. Um, I don't think that's, you know... Like, that's not the situation 99.9% of the time. It's probably, like, marginal effects. I think in the Bryce Harper situation it's an individual game to game basis which i think is it makes it interesting that like him putting the team in more high leverage situations could potentially lose them games because he's not contributing as much as he can be but like if if your team is just bad then there's nothing you can change about that but if you're not contributing in close games and you're putting your team in higher stress situations than they need to be then that's something else
0: Moving on to the fun topic. Everybody ready for this? They don't know what they've gotten themselves into listening to you too talking about pitching. <laughs> Let's go to the AL Cy Young. What are we thinking, guys?
3: I mean, we could talk for about two hours on all of the absolutely horrible stats that you can use to measure pitching. Wins, being one of them and perhaps the most influential horrible stat that you can use to measure pitching. Um, I don't know who should win the 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 Cy Young Award. Eddie, start with NL because I think it's an easier answer.
1: Are you setting me up to talk about your last fun fact?
3: <laughs> I am! Because Please Corbin talk about Burns, Corbin Burns. Because Corbin Burns led the league in ERA and led the league and expected Woba against by a mile. Um, and and this is among players with at least 200, 200 balls in play against them. Like, these are high-volume pitchers given the opportunity to fail and he had a 218 expected Woba against. Second place was Lance Lynn with 248. After him was 250, 250, 254. Like that difference, that 30 point difference, 30 percentage point difference is is wild. Or I guess it would be 3, technically 3 percentage points if you multiply it through, but you know, you get the point. Like he is he was so much better than everyone else. But Not that flashy, right? Like, there's no narrative around Corbin Burns other than that he played well. Um, So, yeah, I think it's predicted to go to one of two Dodgers pitchers instead.
1: Yeah. Again, luckily, I guess, for, you know, luckily for... Major League Baseball is at the top of the the cream of the crop. At, at the top is you know just so good, but yeah, considering considering the Brewers, I'm not. I don't really going into expectation for the season that they were probably expected to have a good, good season enough and you know win their division and finish with you know the ninety five wins or so that they did. But Burns really wasn't expected to be, you know, the driver of that. It was supposed to be a you guy, you'd expect to have been a guy like Woodruff or, you know, their bullpen taking control and, do, and doing a lot of the heavy lifting and having, you know, Freddie Peralta there too. And then, you know, going down that road, it's probably him. And I think a couple of things that definitely support that are that he had – Compared to the Dodgers pitchers, less of a stacked off offense for those extra wins. Like Julio Arias won twenty games, it's just like in his sleep. Bueller, sixteen in his sleep. Scherzer, when he came over, just wins, you know, still, also Wins don't matter. It.
3: Wins don't matter. For I know.
1: I know. Matter. I know. I'm thinking like a Cy Young voter.
3: Wins still, wins
1: still me. I'm thinking like a Cy Young voter. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Let me ask you this: So,
1: are you about to ask wonder... us why games don't matter?
3: Shocker that the two highest winning pitchers this year, two of the highest winning pitchers, played for the the Dodgers, the Dodgers on a hundred and was... whatever games. Like, huge shocker! Who could have predicted that? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, from a baseball fan, I wins is almost meaningless. I think. But let me ask you about this stat. So Walker Buehler is not unanimously, but and then running, right? He's probably the easiest case you could make for the Cy Young this year. He led the league in quality starts with 27. Talk a little bit about that stat. Is that better than wins?
1: It determines, like, was it not a quality start if you don't go six innings? But that's that's really where the cutoff is. There, the the idea, especially in in a more bullpen centric major league baseball, as time goes on, I don't need my pitcher, to, my starting pitcher, to go six innings. So using that as the cutoff for whether or not you can even consider it to be a good start, I would not consider that. Especially if they pitch into the sixth and like, you know, they walk a guy and. There's a better bullpen matchup. Like, we're really going to punish a guy for that. So, that's not really, so really there. I don't, don't really go to that. Just looking at Burns, too, his expected ERA was 2.01. The next lowest was Zach Wheeler at 2.78. Like, he was by far based on the profile that he gave of his at bats and striking out 12 batters every nine innings, which, was a couple strike every each of the Dodgers pitchers were couple short on that. There's probably even a better, there's probably a better argument for Zach Wheeler to win it compared to any of those Dodgers guys too. Cause there's just as, and if you want to talk about narratives too, what are the giants, where are the giants without Kevin Gossman? So there's definitely a bunch of guys that can, <laughs> that could be in the running for this. I think, when it's all said and done, though, I think Burns was by far the best pitcher in, in all of baseball this year.
3: All right. Oh, gosh. What was I going to say?
0: Sorry. Um, we were saying I said that Burns was not the popular choice.
3: Oh, my – okay. An ESPN Cy Young predictor does not even put him – does not even listed. He's not in their top ten at all, which is kind of insane because he was – probably the best pitcher on one of the better teams in baseball. And for whatever reason, Urias and Bueller are the only two people with a real chance in their predictor. Um, and these predictors usually use stuff like, you know, they factor in, um, team performance and they just use like blind correlations. They don't really use stats of like deserving, like they just find what correlates to MVP vote or Cy Young votes. Um, yeah, Wainwright's on there, but 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 uh, but Corbin Burns is not. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't really understand it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean,
1: Wainwright's expected ERA was three point eight four. He had finished with a three point zero five ERA.
3: Yeah, I. <laughs> yeah, I feel like pitching I feel sense. like
1: pitching no matter what we say win until you know the the wins generation of of voters retire or you know, surrender their vote, that's still gonna be such a big part of it. What because, you know, when your ace wins, that's what gets on the highlights. And that's what oh, the Cardinals are having a good year thanks to Adam Wainwright. Like that kind of thing happens. So those guys are always gonna be ahead of it, but Maybe it's the honestly too. Maybe it's the innings part that you know. Just looking at, looking at all those other top guys, they got they've pitched way more than he did. So, but we'll we'll stand strong in our our opinion that it should be Corbin Burns. we we'll
3: we'll, we'll because up. we don't
1: have votes, and you know, I know Corbin stands Burns
3: stands is going to listen to this.
1: So, Corbin, if you. thank you. Thank, thank you for, for your performance this year. Keep up the good work. <laughs>
2: You're doing great. That's our shout-out to Corbin. Hope he's listening. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's move on. I'm just waiting Take for the it. groans.
1: It's not... I think in a season when... If we're talking narratives again where there was the change in what you could put on the baseball and those kind of things and you know, with that being a big part of it and, you know, the once those changes were put in the drop off but then building back up. Garrett Cole this was Garrett Cole's race to lose. But even before last night in the wildcard game, I think his last couple starts were just fine that with the Yankees pushing he probably lose a little loses a little bit of the the glitz of being by far the best pitcher in the American league. He might be in general, but I don't think he enough to win this award. And man, I think that this is a very, very difficult one to pick. It because what, do you give it to do you give it to him? Do you give it to Yavaldi?
0: Robbie and, Ray.
1: Robbie Ray too, yeah. I mean oh man, that's tough. There are a lot better pitchers in the a lot of better pitchers in the National League right now. It's pretty unbalanced, but that's also probably designed for some people.
3: Yeah. Lance Lynn would be my sleeper pick because He's got. He leads the AL and expected WOLBA against and expected ERA against, or expected ERA, um, and is in the ESPN top ten in terms of odds. He's ninth out of ten. But like, I mean, he would be my sleeper slash most deserving probably. Um, his teammate Padon is another one who has good numbers but isn't even on there. Um, a lot of relievers are the most likely right now. Liam Hendricks is kind of running away
1: with it. Oh, that's an entire other can of worms. But Uh, I... I, hmm. Like, it's got to be, like... The way that current baseball is set up, even if they don't pitch every day, I feel like starters are still way more valuable to their teams. But, so... I still think it would be a starter.
3: And that's if
1: you you need me to pick. If you need me to pick, I think I'd go with Ray. Just again, based on the Blue Jays season as a whole, and you know that division. He pretty he pretty much lit up that division too. So there's a little bit of that, but then it's not like you can say that he's definitely definitely a winner when also you've got Yavaldi with. Much, but honestly, aside from aside from the strikeouts, he's got he had a better performance in most of the other categories in terms of home runs given up and walks and ground balls, those kind of things.
3: Yeah, I mean the the interesting thing is that if you look at win probability, which I've referenced a few times, obviously, Josh Hader, reliever for the Brewers, is like without a doubt the best player in this. Um the best pitcher.
1: And Yeah, but that's also yeah, that's very contextual though. Like Exactly. Like he's coming coming in specifically when they when things are looking bad and he needs to get, you know, three outs. Right. It it's one it's one or two innings. Like that's I think that's usually that's the problem.
3: Right. And if you look at RE24, which is the more, like, total, you know, performance above expectation given the context, it is much more kind to good starters. Like, Walker Bueller um, and Brandon Woodruff are are the top two in that. Um, and then you get, like, Robbie, Wayne, Robbie Ray and Zach Wheeler, Scherzer, um, and Burns is on there, too. So
1: I'm expecting it to be cold though, just based on the Yankee tax and <laughs> you know getting to the highest number of wins and overcoming yeah. the spider tack.
0: You're expecting it to be cold, but statistically speaking.
2: Who should it be?
1: Ray or Yavaldi, and I'd give the edge to
2: Yavaldi.
3: Um, i'm gonna i'm going to abstain
1: (laughs) Mm. Um,
3: no i mean i don't know (laughs) should is a little objective but you know i i guess ray would be my pick then if we're guessing should
0: Based on the stats that we're shooting.
3: Based on the stats, definitely won't win. Corbin Burns might actually win Robbie Wright.
2: I agree. I can agree with that. Not that it matters.
3: Not that it matters. Our our opinion means nothing here, but...
0: But I do agree.
3: But if you're listening, that means something to you somewhat.
0: (laughs) Okay, that was that was actually pretty uh, harmless. I thought that that was going to go awry pretty quickly.
3: It could get worse if you wanted to. Can we make it worse?
0: Can we talk about war?
1: I'm going to talk more about the Phillies. No, let's
3: not.
1: <laughs> that would make it because Zach Wheeler, cause Zach Wheeler's in this conversation with the best. They have the best hitter and the best pitcher in baseball, or in in their league
0: and they won 82 games. Okay, Bryce Harper is not the best hitter in the league.
1: Okay, fine.
0: Thank you. Thank you. He's
2: still winning everything.
0: I think I can't hear you, but I can. <laughs> you want to talk about narrative? Jacob deGrom won the Cy Young. The Mets suck.
3: Hey! Felix Hernandez is one of the only pitchers yeah. to ever win a Cy Young with a yeah. losing record.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Cutting that out. <laughs> just putting that out there for our own entertainment. Alright. Right, we're going to wrap up here with not necessarily predictions or picks, but we're going to have a nice conversation around the Gold Glove Award. And this one is fun, I think, because defense is not something that is discussed as often as it should be, I think. And I think also, statistically, it's a lot harder to measure than hitting and pitching, which I think we can all agree on. So my question for both of you and kind of how we're going to approach this is less of who is going to be the gold glove winners, but how should they be chosen? Statistically speaking, how should the gold glove conversation happen? Obviously, throw in some names of, you know, these people exemplify what it is that I'm talking about. But what kind of discussion should be had around what plays into being awarded a Gold Glove. Eddie, what do you think?
1: It's still the next frontier. So much of, you know, so much of defense is based on what happens with hitting and, you know, where the ball goes. StatCast is, you know, the best, really, understanding we have for how... Likely outs are, are going to happen. And, you know, over the course of the season, there is a volume piece of that too. In summary, it's probably like defensive run saves is definitely up there for being an important one. The problem is, is. Um,
3: then they are given some out above or below average, right? Um, this sometimes lines up with what you'd imagine it would be sometimes it doesn't so much um analytics shout out to nikki lopez for running away with the out um outs above average leader mark this year um 25 to five more than second place at 20. um royal shortstop i knew i learned his name today (laughs) um but yeah like it's one of those things that doesn't make you flashy it's not like one of those one of those things that makes you a household name um nick ahmed is the is is third place and he's won a gold glove though lindor's second at 20 um and then like Chapman, Andleton Simmons, um, you know, like, like, they're good fielders. Um, It's just the first time we've ever had that kind of quantification of it. Which is really interesting. Um, I kind of reference this being like Eddie said, the next frontier. And that is kind of the next level in sports analytics, right, is that we take all of these measurements and quantify concepts. Is that we take all like at the like the path of the ball by tenths of a second, and we're able to calculate the odds that it's a hit or not based on where the fielder starts and stuff like that. Like you can calculate those kind of things. They're doing that kind of stuff with next gen stats in football too, where they're looking at GPS tracking, um, and and trying to calculate probabilities based on that which is pretty incredible at the end of the day. And it's one of those things that defense in every sport is so difficult to quantify because of how consistently weird it is and how consistently contextual and subjective it is. And this is probably our best bet. There's like positioning information and data too. That's not nothing, but I think this is at the end of the day, if we're talking about like value added as a, as a fielder, like, like, this this would be it um and you know it doesn't take like there is a success rate too right like that's part of it um it's usually lower volume guys have higher success rates um you know it's all contextual everything about field fielding is contextual and position positional right like it's all it's all you know this stuff would take Hours to break down and, and actually and, and evaluate entirely.
1: Yeah, that's and
2: all. I got. Up,
1: no, that's all I got.
3: <laughs>
1: plus, okay. yeah, plus with shifting going on and a little bit less positional concreteness you know if you're if you're putting more guys in the right spot there's going to be less plays that are as unexpected as in a standard shift, too like do you, does a does a fielder get hurt just because his manager put a was a or, does a shortstop get hurt because they're playing up the middle on a shift and they get a ball right up the middle and they make the routine play. When another outfielder could get, or not another shortstop could get the same play and have to go all the way to second base and make the turn and, you know, probably get the first baseman, you know, save it with with a stretch or a scoop. Like, there's there's definitely a little bit of that too where it's going to it's going to change as more time goes on and more teams shift more frequently. And it's, yeah, a good thing that they, yeah. and it's a good thing that they do defense by position because if you had to equal all these together for one single Gold Glove winner, it would just be a nightmare.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, I was, how it's so contextual and so opportunity-based. Um, it's It's kind of like, That that whole other separation of of opportunity and the the quantity of opportunities that, like, in basketball, you can ask for the ball more, but in hitting, you only get a set number of opportunities and you can't do anything about that. In fielding, you get a non-defined number of opportunities and there's nothing you can do about it. You know what I mean? Like, you can't even go out of your way to get more. Like, you have no say in the number of opportunities you have to do something. So you know is it possible that one person has more one more out above average than another guy just because he played in one more game and he had that one more opportunity um and happened to get it like it, i don't know that's why totals are always that's why totals are always a bit tricky especially in baseball because there's so many opportunities and so many opportunities for things to get weird
2: so what about I'll ask the obvious question as the non
0: stats representative in this in this cast here what about errors how that's like the easiest stat right for to measure deep and it
1: all comes down to what the single scorekeeper at the ballpark is feeling that day
2: yep
0: so I feel like we're getting a sense that Rob and Eddie don't love errors.
3: <laughs> no. Mostly because you can get an error
1: and still... You can get an error for diving at a ball and it goes off your glove just based on what the guy feels that day.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay. So... Alright. All right. All right. There's,
3: there's, there was a great case study. There was a great case study a few years ago in turnovers in hockey where there's some guy looked at Individual, I think it was individual players across the league in different arenas. And it was expected that across all players in all arenas, the averages should be about the same. What they found is that specifically the Canadians, the Montreal Canadiens arenas scorekeepers were just hypercritical about turnovers and just never gave them to anyone. Like, they just wow. were really, really critical about that. But the, I think it was, like, the Predators or the Lightning scorekeepers were really generous and 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 was, like, really generous about turnovers and he signed way too many of them. Like, when you have those kind of objective things in the game, it's really better, you're better as long as you have an alternative, you really should use an alternative if it's not there, there's a I could talk about this for much longer, but the shortened version of this is that there's a whole type of stats. There's a whole type of metrics um, that can be categorized by whether they are a direct result of the rules of the game or if they are a subjective observation by the scorekeeper. A first a single is an objective rule of the game you got to first base a ter- uh, an error. Is a subjective decision by the scorekeeper, a sort of invented metric, an invented thing, kind of like uh, sports, ad- like adjacent to the rules of the game.
0: However,
2: it's a widely used,
0: commonly
2: <laughs> kind of uh, a, a very.
0: Well,
1: comedy even comedy that too. It's like, is this man, a I hit? Sure. I don't think that's a hit. And then the.
0: Well, if, if if a hit is subjective, then we're going down a real deep hole.
3: No, I mean, it's just, it's just like, like, a hit is a hit, but like, you know, if we were to quantify, like, quality starts, something like that, where you have to set some arbitrary boundary, something that's very rules-adjacent.
1: Um, yeah, part of that's three earned runs. Yeah. Which comes down to which is partially calculated with errors, right? Earned
3: runs, which is just incredibly arbitrary and 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 so uh, often outside of the pitcher's control. Um, and if we're going to talk about arbitrary subjective metrics in baseball, we're going to be here all night because baseball, all of them. Yeah, me and Eddie pick on baseball analytics a lot
1: because
3: that's a really prevailing problem a that's very prevalent what problem.
2: i was waiting for
3: <laughs> that is a very prevalent problem in baseball analytics is that a lot of stuff like ops on base plus Sun, which is just nonsense like it just doesn't mean anything you're adding two percentages together which doesn't mean anything and like stuff like that happens just all the time, um, and yeah, that that's a big problem. Something you gotta watch out for in baseball. And and the and the real problem of it is that so many people rely on these exclusively, right? Like so many people rely on these as their only, as their only sense of, of of analytics and their only sense of numbers and their only sense of evaluation. And that's where you really get into the problem. And we can talk, like I said, we could talk for hours just about baseball metrics and how problematic some of them are. But the real problem we're getting at here in the context of awards is that they get relied on really heavily and they're very arbitrary and nonsensical.
0: Specifically errors in this conversation.
3: Errors in this conversation, earned runs in the pitching conversation, you know, stuff like that.
2: So errors, do you feel like, should not contribute
0: to this conversation at all?
2: No. Not if we have something better.
3: But do we? Yeah. Yeah. Like errors is a is a cumulative stat, right? Like it it's just counts up every time counts up one every time you get an error. We have outs above average. Like if we're gonna use something that counts up, then we might as well just use something better that counts up. I think that there's more like there's more nuanced things you could do. Success rates you could do um you know positioning you could use opportunities and, and factor other things into it but if you're gonna use something that counts up use outs above average it's 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 it also frames it in a positive from a positive perspective like you were looking at how many times they did a good thing like you could bobble a ground ball and still get the out like it's all, it's, error is just a very, like, confirmation-biased metric, because, like, oh, it's an error because he made a mistake, oh, but if he recovers and gets the out, then it's not an error. It's like, so he made a mistake, it's whether he recovers, or whether he doesn't recover, like, it just doesn't, it doesn't really make any sense.
0: Fair enough, there you have it. (laughs) Eddie, anything
2: else that should be included in the conversation for Gold Gloves? No. There you have it, everybody. <laughs> no, no, I think
3: we're good. I think that that was, um, I mean, because we're not going to sit here and list off names for all, whatever, 20 gold Glove Awards. Oh,
0: no, 18. certainly not. Certainly not. All right. So, wrapping it up here, let's just hone in on let's say we only talked about two awards right? Really we only talked about the MVP and the Cy Young so let's bring it home what's the most important stat for each of those awards? Rob we'll start with you
3: for MVP I'd go with either RE24 win probability added because it is some sort of cumulative aspect of value or cumulative metric meas try attempting to measure value um and then for cy young i i'd guess a mix of innings pitched and and expected well against because it is the performance of the batters against you um and expected poor performance of the batters against you which which takes away some of the the randomness of what happens after they hit the ball um yeah uh, that would be my my picks of, of things to look at first before doing some more dating
0: eddie
1: my answer is that you can't make me pick <laughs> <laughs> I think about it like especially with editing, think it's a it's called a slash line for a reason and there's that there's what there's what the counting totals ended up being there's the expectation of what those counting totals were going to be like all this is a profile that, that, you know, based on based on context can have different things. And then even with pitching, like it's a combination of not not in an additive way, but it's a combination of how how well you strike batters out, how well you draw weak contact, and how well you don't put together a string of bad at bats to keep runners from scoring. So you cannot make me answer that.
2: Most political
0: answer ever. I was gonna
3: say as 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 two statisticians, I believe our answer was both some variation of it depends, so I believe we are sticking sticking to our brand.
1: yep
2: <laughs>
0: Fair enough. all right, well, there you have it. a it depends answer and no answer. <laughs> well, any final thoughts before we wrap up? on this wonderful baseball conversation that I thoroughly enjoyed.
3: Baseball is weird. Period. (laughs) Period. Full stop.
2: Baseball is weird, period. But we love it anyway.